Welcome to the podcast, Autism in the Adult. I'm Dr. Teresa Regan, a neuropsychologist, the mother of a teen on the spectrum, and the founder and director of an autism diagnostic clinic in central Illinois for adolescents, adults, and aging adults. Sometimes I get emails from people asking if I perform autism assessments for adults, and indeed, that's my full-time job. So I go to work every day, I see patients and clients in a medical setting for evaluations and recommendations. Then I also have other things that I've chosen to do in the topic area of autism because I'm passionate about the people impacted and the positive things that can happen when we understand more about the autistic neurology. I do have a few online presentations coming up through ZUR Institute, that's Z-U-R Institute, which is a continuing education program for professionals. I'll include a link in the podcast show notes to these programs so you can look at the descriptions and registration links. And the first one is Tuesday, March 7th, 2023 for one hour. The presentation covers information about the basic foundational rules of the autism diagnostic criteria. We'll be dispelling myths about the foundations and requirements that may prevent people from being referred for assessment appropriately. And the second presentation is on Saturday, March 25th. That's for two hours. And this presentation will highlight the seven diagnostic criteria, what they mean, and also what they look like in a clinical case of a young adult female, just to illustrate some of the concepts. So if you are a clinician or you know of professionals in your area who are wanting to learn more about autism, this may be a good resource opportunity. The topic of the podcast today is actually not the topic that I had been working on uh, to record. I've had multiple interactions um, about a different topic over the last few weeks, and it really struck me as perhaps something that would be timely to talk about or helpful to process. And so in this episode, I wanted to talk about neurodiversity and autism-affirming approaches um, to serving those on the spectrum. Um, I'm going to talk about three things uh, within the context of this episode. One is just, what are we talking about? What's the definition when we talk about neurodiversity? Um, the second is, what kinds of conditions or characteristics might we want to include under the umbrella of neurodiversity? And the third has to do with a viewpoint that uh, some put forward that says that only individuals who have diagnoses of neurodivergence should be um, offering services to those on the spectrum. When we talk about neurodiversity, we're basically talking about the idea that people experience and interact with the world around them in many different ways. And this concept, of course, neuro being neurology and diversity, meaning diversity, so we all have variations in our neurologic wiring, and there's no one, quote, right way of thinking, learning, and behaving, and that all neurologic differences should be appreciated as part of natural variation. 
And I explain those concepts knowing and wanting to communicate that people will define neurodiversity differently. And so I'm trying to use phrases that are commonly used um, in describing what that means. One person can say that, you know, that isn't really what it means to me. And that's completely fine. It's such a complex topic that uh, getting it right, as everyone would define it, is, is difficult. But basically, it is this um, understanding that there's variations on our wiring. And there's this emphasis that there's not one right way to be connected neurologically. Um, at its best, uh, when we're talking about neurodiversity as a concept and autism affirmation as a concept, um, it really helps ward against an approach to intervention that may focus on correcting or fixing behaviors in the neurodiverse individual only because the behaviors are unusual or atypical. When a therapist is neurodiversity affirming or autism affirming, um, this is often used to emphasize that they understand that um, neurodivergence itself is not a flaw or an illness that needs to be fixed or corrected. And we're going to talk about this a little bit more later, but neurodivergence often um, refers to autism, but it is um, a much larger umbrella right now. And so we'll talk about that as well. Um, however, at the same time, we hope that the autism affirming therapist can also acknowledge some parts of autism that really may create um, a lot of difficulty or pain for the person that's presenting for care. Um, so at its best, we really hope there's this balance of understanding of the gifts and strength in the autistic experience and the struggles and difficulties that someone may really inherently experience, not because of uh, the attitudes of society or, or anything, but because this neurologic piece is really giving them difficulty. At its extreme, there may be some in the autism-affirming community or the neurodivergence community that really emphasize that the autistic experience is very positive um, in its essence, that the um, diverse experience should always be um, emphasized as strength and the variation doesn't involve um, any inherent struggle. Um, I think that that when, when we get to that categorical kind of description, uh, whether someone's talking about the autistic experience as all bad or all good, you know, I think we're uh, missing the complexity of the human experience and specifically here, the autistic experience. Um, so what I would say about the movement and the concept of neurodiversity is it's really best when we're able to stay centered in the complexity 
in the center, not those two extreme categories, but in the center of this mix of good and difficult where most often the truth lies in that center, in that complexity. Let me explain what the DSM-5, that's the Diagnostic Manual, for many of the conditions that people refer to as neurodivergent. Um, I want to talk about the criteria they use for when something is called a diagnosis. So this is not specific to autism. This could include uh, learning disability, autism, psychosis, depression, lots of different things. And there are two things that they really focus on um, as being present in order for a diagnosis to um, be relevant. And so one is that the, the, the constellation of characteristics is statistically atypical, that it's not the most common um, constellation that we see in the daily human experience. Um, it's not the most common state. Now, the second thing, though, is that the atypical constellation of characteristics must cause some form of difficulty for the individual. You know, does it work against their physical health? Does it reduce their safety in some situations? Um, is it associated with internal distress? Does it prevent the person from reaching goals for daily living, like maintaining work? Um, is it associated with pain in relationships? So, it has to have some uh, functional impact that has worked against the well-being of this individual. So both things, according to the diagnostic manual, must be present for a diagnosis. There has to be this atypical constellation, but there also has to be um, that this atypical constellation has been the root of some functional struggle. So if there are individuals who have the autistic neurology and it has never been a source of functional difficulty, they actually don't meet the criteria for a diagnosis as defined in the, in the manual. So when we're talking about having an official diagnosis, that would be part of it, that in some season, in some way, there's really been a struggle associated with those neurologic characteristics. And this is why, for example, depression is a diagnosis as well, that it's uh, not rare, but it's not the most typical mood state. And when people get stuck in that atypical mood state, it causes these functional areas of difficulty. It's hard to get up. It's hard to go to work. It's hard to maintain relationships. Um, and so that's where we shift from saying something is diverse to something is um, within this, what we're calling a diagnosis, that rather than just being mood diversity, where, gosh, I've had a bad day, uh, but it's really not impacted functionally how I'm doing across time. Um, but when I get stuck in this mood state, and it's really interfering with wellness in my daily life, that's when it's a diagnosis. Now, autism as a diagnosis does require that difficulty at some point in your life that you've really had the autistic neurology 
making it hard to function in a way that's comfortable where you're achieving your goals. Now, autism as a diagnosis occurs in 2% of individuals. They would meet the full criteria, the neurologic characteristics hang together in those individuals because they hang together anatomically, and they've also impacted the individual's well-being, their goals, their functional life. Now, does this mean that the neurology of autism causes pain or distress in every way? Absolutely not. Does it mean that the difficulty is constant throughout the whole lifespan? No. So in my viewpoint, all humans have characteristics that work for them in some ways and against them in some ways. And this is true in autism as well. For example, the attention to detail can be a great strength in some work projects, whereas it can really create difficulty when the ultimate goal is speed and generalization rather than detail. So much of the benefit for the autistic individual and those who love them is this increased awareness of how their characteristics may work for them or against them in different contexts or across life seasons. Now, having said that, again, remember that individuals who meet that full criteria, by definition, have had a level of neurologic difference that really increases the risk of difficulty in a lot of these functional areas compared with someone with a different neurology. We know that every human will have this mix of gifts and weaknesses, strengths and struggles, abilities and limitations. And for one person, You know, he may excel in athletics, but struggle to read at functional levels. So he can't read a contract or a lease or a medical form without struggling and getting taken advantage of. That's a neurologic difference in that reading comprehension. Another person may be able to produce wonderful needlework that requires really good fine motor skills, appreciation of color palettes, creativity and design, However, they might struggle to keep blood sugar levels um, even, and their pancreas just isn't helping them with this task as much as we would wish. And maybe they take insulin shots because of this. I bring these examples up just to say that in our human form, we all have gifts and strengths and triumphs and skill sets And we also will have some form of limitation or struggle at some part in our life. And my struggle, my limitation in my human form may be different than yours, but I know that the commonality of the human experience is that you also will have some strength, some gift in your human form and some limitation, some struggle in that human form. And for some, their area of gift and struggle may involve aspects of this autistic neurology. I think we do best for each other when we appreciate all sides of our humanity, that these are my strengths, these are my limitations, this is my humanity. This mix of good and difficult and strong and weak, and I'll always have a mix of this. And this is what it is to be human and to truly show honor and respect and appreciation to the personhood of each individual. We allow all those things in the mix to be viewed and discussed. 
There's no reason to only talk about easy things, bright things, successful things. We can talk about all the messiness of each of our humanity and still affirm that every single person, no matter their age, culture, health, abilities, spirituality, gender, any of these things, every single person is filled with inherent value and is deserving of honor and respect because that is is inherent to their personhood. And having a gift does not make them any more valued and having limitations does not take away any of their value. When someone is celebrating and rejoicing, we can come alongside and celebrate too. And when someone is grieving, when someone is struggling with something or coming across their own limitations, we also come alongside them in this as well. We can acknowledge the struggle. We can offer community assistance, anything that we can bring to the table in this moment of of humanity and coming together. So let's talk about the second topic, which is what kinds of diagnoses or characteristics do we want to consider as under that neurodiversity umbrella? So the neurodiversity movement began in the 90s as a way of talking about autism and sometimes attention deficit. Um, And the real benefit of it was that it, it championed the humanity of everyone with um, neurodiverse characteristics and made sure that they weren't being looked at as less than or somehow um, not as valued in society. Examples of conditions that are currently considered under the neurodiversity umbrella often include, in addition to autism and attention deficit, Things like obsessive compulsive disorder, bipolar disorder, dyslexia, and dyspraxia. But now, even though in the beginning we often would talk about autism or attention deficit as being a large part of neurodiversity, now there's um, a much bigger umbrella that people um, talk about as involving these kinds of conditions, and it's kind of growing all the time. And There's not an inherent um, difficulty with that, but there are some challenges with having the umbrella be very narrow or having it be really um, inclusive because neurodiversity at its most inclusive is anything that has diverse neurology as part of its definition. So if we're going to expand it beyond autism and attention deficit, we're really going to um, be expanding it to include everything with diverse neurology. And so that's going to include things like spinal cord injury, stroke, cerebral palsy, Parkinson's, traumatic brain injury, encephalitis, brain tumor, multiple sclerosis, hydrocephalus, Alzheimer's disease, and all other forms of dementia all learning difficulties, intellectual disability, and so on. If we're going to use the umbrella to be all-inclusive of neurologic diversity, we are essentially going to be talking about all neurologic conditions, in which case we've really kind of lost the meaning of the term itself, 
So I'm not sure that it's as powerful a term or meaningful a term. But if that's what we prefer, we certainly can do this. I just think at some point we'll need to decide what meaning do we want the term to include and to be specific knowing that there are a lot of neurodiverse conditions that um, would have to be under the umbrella if we're going to be all-inclusive for neurodiverse conditions. So in summary so far, I would suggest that we think about what kind of meaning we want the term to have as far as neurology. And then also, are we able to approach autism in a way that acknowledges all the strengths and the struggles that each individual presents with? Always understanding that in all of this mix, every person is filled with inherent value and you are important. And your importance is never defined by strengths or limitations. And you will always have a mix of both because you are human. Now, in this final section, we'll be addressing an opinion that some have put forth that states that it's really not okay for individuals without an autism diagnosis or some form of neurodivergent diagnosis. Again, this is ill-defined, but it's not all right for these individuals to provide services or input to autistic individuals. Essentially, only autistic providers should serve those on the spectrum. Uh, For example, there are some workplaces that serve neurodivergent clients and only hire those with neurodivergent diagnoses. I think my response to this is similar to my response to the topics that we've covered so far, which is basically that I think the truth and the life and the best outcomes are often found in the center rather than um, at either categorical opinion. So anytime we're tempted to go for that kind of simple, straightforward, only this and never that kind of thought process, we're really limiting the truth and limiting the good that we'll find in the complex middle. And in this case, I think the wonderful thing about this approach is it does emphasize uh, welcoming all kinds of diverse inputs to discussions, services, and program development as far as they do go, which is neurodiversity, that we bring together the neurodiverse to serve the neurodiverse. Now, I love to hear people's stories, their opinions, their perspectives, and whether those are from the autistic individual, their friends, their family members, whether those are from individuals in a helping profession, anyone. It enriches me over and over and over again. However, I think saying that only autistic providers should come alongside the autistic to provide input is limiting in a way that would work against the greatest good. Not because the autistic provider's viewpoint is not valid or in some way less than others' viewpoint, but because the breadth of specialization and experience that benefits individuals is so huge that No one group of individuals can ever cover all of that information. And I think if we tap into our diverse knowledge and experience, that we will have the richest information to share. 
So having occupational therapists and neurologists and neuropsychologists, experts in academic learning and nutrition, all of these things are so beneficial, such richness of knowledge and experience that it's the exchange here that brings the blessing. It's increasing the diversity of input that brings the blessing. And some of these individuals in their specialization will be on the spectrum and some will not. In other examples, you know, if I had multiple sclerosis and I would only receive care from a neurologist who had the same diagnosis, I would be limiting some of my um, options. There may not be someone available. Uh, This person may not be as experienced as someone else. Um, I may be limiting where I could have a whole team of people. Maybe I'm saying, no, I just want this one person. It would get even more difficult if I had two conditions, right? That I have uh, multiple sclerosis and congestive heart failure. Now do I have to find a provider that has both? Or I can see a heart provider that also has congestive heart failure. It's not that there's not value, in getting input from others who share characteristics about your life and have walked in your shoes and get it, I think that's really valuable. But there's also value in getting input from those who don't share the same characteristics, but they have areas of expertise that they can offer some input that you wouldn't get in other places. Essentially, we're talking about the benefits of diversity and getting diverse input when you have some struggles or limitations in any form of your life. Then you get to take in the perspectives of all those other people and you decide what's helpful to you. But you have a lot of diverse input. And rather than limiting the input you're getting, You get to take in this information, process it, and say, this has really helped me, this is not helpful to me, and you get to be the filter for what you take into your own life. This is a really complex topic. There's a lot of emotions involved. I think in the end, what I'm saying is just that being able to be in the center of complexity helps me the most to understand the good and the difficult, the strength and the struggle of all kinds of human experience. And I would emphasize that the inherent value of the person is in their personhood, and that never changes. So whether we're working with someone on something that they're celebrating or something that they're grieving, we can come along either way and say, you are important. Your personhood, you have this inherent value. I value that you've come. I value your story and your input. And let me come alongside you and add what I can to your journey. I'm glad that you joined me today and that you're part of this podcast community. And I hope you join me next time for another great topic.